sister, this is Pastor D. Washington coming to you live from out of Atlanta, Georgia. We want to thank you once again and welcome you back to the Promise of Our Father podcast. And we want to thank all our listeners out there who's been participating and sharing the gospel of the kingdom of God with others. We want to thank God for all our spiritual cuts leaders that is out there doing the work of the ministry and edifying the body of Christ and teaching on the words of eternal life. We thank you so much, and may God continue to bless you and your families forever. And without further ado, we're going to get right into the Word because I want to get into this place where God wants us to be at because we need the words of eternal life in the things that we are experiencing in the earth today. Now, just because you see what you see in the wars in Israel, in the wars in Ukraine, in the war in Russia, in rumors of wars and death all over the place, eternal life still exists in the earth because God promised it. So I want to continue to just to focus on what God promised because it's easy to focus on tomorrow's not promised. It's easy to focus on we all have to die, but now the focus has to change with the people of God because now we have to praise God and repent and say, Father, hey, thank you because you have promised me that I have eternal life, that I can have eternal life. You promised that to us. So this is what we teach you at the Promise of Our Father podcast. Maybe this message is too much for you from the ministry you are in, but if you want to grow in the spirit of him and in the promise of our Father, you're going to have to understand this is how we teach it. Without further ado, let us go for, to First Kings. Chapter 17, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 17. And it reads, Now it happened after the things that the, that the son of the Zarephath woman who owned the house became sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. And I got to tell y'all straight up, the boy was dead, y'all. And I explained to you why he died. So she said to Elijah in verse 18, in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 18, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and kill my son? See, people are a trip. She got what she asked for, but now she is blaming it on the man of God. Huh? I know people like that. I was like that once before myself. So I want you to realize it ain't just people. Sometimes it's us ourselves. And I'm grown enough to admit that I've done that many a times, huh? Blaming somebody else for what I did without even taking responsibility, what I'm blaming others for. Huh? Blaming other people for my my wrong actions did not resolve the problem at all. Until I confronted what I was blaming, I was able to unravel what I was blaming So when I confronted it. And in verse 19, and he said to her, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid on him, huh, laid, excuse me, and laid him on his own bed. Then Elijah cried out 
to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow whom I lodged by killing her son? Man, that's heavy. Verse 21 says, And Elijah stretched himself out on the dead child body three times. And he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray that you let this dead child soul come back to him. Come on. Then the Lord God heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the dead child. Huh? The widow, the, Ze the seraphat, widow woman, child. His breath came back to him and he revived. That's beautiful to me. And Elijah took the revived child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother, who was a widow. And Elijah said, See your son live. Hey, and look what she say now. And then the Zarephath woman, the Zarephath widow woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of God that is in your mouth is true. Boy, that's heavy to me. The word of God that is in your mouth is true. Now, if you don't know if the promise of our Father coming from out of my mouth is true, just continue to search the Scriptures, and you may think having eternal life is true. From out of John 5. Huh? So I want you to realize that a lot of times we don't understand what somebody else is teaching because they're not teaching you to understand where you're listening what God is saying. So when God is saying, I promise you eternal life, he's not just saying that. He says, I gave you the bread of eternal life. He's not just saying that. When Peter said, huh? Let me tell you something. When Peter said what he said, he was not just saying that. He was getting us to understand when God said that he promised us eternal life. And Peter said, where will we go, Father? You have the words of eternal life. So I want you to realize, my brothers and sisters, when he, she said, I know that you are the man of God and that the word of God is in your mouth. When he revived her, he stretched his arm across her, her son, her dead child, and revived him three times. Amen? Amen, my brothers and sisters. I just want you to realize that when God does something three times, it's for a purpose. So I want to tag this here. Elijah stretched himself out on the dead child three times. Elijah stretched himself out on the dead child three times. Huh? Many of us, from infant into our youth and into our adolescent years, are doing the process of de developing from a child into an adult. Many Christians and believers grow up not knowing who they are. Most individuals grow up not truly knowing themselves because they spend their entire life 
trying to please others rather than trying to please themselves. The average person or the average individual doesn't take out the time to get to know themselves. Huh? As we grow up from our adolescent years into our adult adulthood, we, conf- we continue to be dysfunctional as a people of God. We continue to be dysfunctional as a people of God because we are still waiting around for someone to tell us who we are. The Word of God says, before God formed you in your mother's womb, he knew you, and before you were born, In your mother's womb, he sanctified you. And before you was born in your mother's womb, he ordained you. Huh? That's Jeremiah 1.5. But yet in all, we continue to operate from a a dysfunctional position in life. It is easier for others to tell us who we are rather than taking the time out to validate ourselves. Not everyone falls into this category, but there are so many that do. When we start searching our own hearts and focusing on our own anatomy or the branch of signs that connects and concern with the bodily structures of humans, then we can pursue with with understanding ourselves as God who formed us, as God who shaped us, as God who ordained us before we were formed in our mother's womb. With that being said, this could be the major reason most Christians and believers and saints of God have difficult believing in the words of eternal life and living forever. As God has promised us, those who have been baptized and born again in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, don't truly know the significance of the purpose of this baptism or the significance of these three bodies as one body in order to be in God. If you don't know your anatomy or your own body, you can never comprehend nor understand the teaching of God in Christ. In Romans chapter 8, verse 23, Look what it says. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruit of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our our bodies. See, this is what I'm, the first fruit of the Spirit is Christ as being in God when he gave us God as Christ. is the first fruit. The first fruit of the Spirit is found in Genesis 1-1. When God created the first fruit of the Spirit, created the heavens and the earth, the first fruit, hey, of the Spirit comes to adopt us from our bondage and release us from death. The first fruit of the Spirit. So when we perceived that, we began to walk in and search for the redemption 
of our bodies. Huh? And the word redemption means the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or death. The action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for a payment and clearing a debt. Scriptures teaches us we've been bought at a price. And therefore, and furthermore, we should glorify God in our body and in our spirit and in our minds, which are God's. Now, that's heaven. See, we should glorify. We've been bought with a price. See, therefore, and furthermore, we should glorify God in our body and in our spirit. And in our minds, which are God's, 1 Corinthians 6.20, because we are the temple, high glory, of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, if we are required to glorify God in our body, and in our spirit, and in our minds, that belongs to God, we must find out, or we must find, find out things pertaining to our body. Huh? If, in fact, we are waiting for the redemption of it, and the redemption is the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or death. In Romans 8, verse 10, it says, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But if the spirit of the eternal glory of God the eternal life of God is because of the spirit of him is in you. It is because of righteousness. He says the body is dead because of sin. If Christ be in you, the body is dead. So you mean to tell me we are operating from out of a place of a dead body and we're speaking from out of a place where a body that is dead can speak. Come on. So in, in, in the way of righteousness, because of the spirit is eternal life, because of righteousness, in Romans 8, verse 10, watch what I say. Let me read it. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is eternal life because of righteousness. So if the spirit is eternal life because of righteousness, in Proverbs 12, 28, in the way of righteousness is eternal life. And in the pathway of eternal life, there is no death. So if you think that tomorrow is not promised, you are in unrighteousness. In Romans chapter 1, they have confused the righteousness of, the righteousness of God with unrighteousness, and they think they're walking in a place of the eternal glory that God called them to be in. So if the body is dead because of sin, and if Christ Huh? be in you, and the Spirit of God is in us and in you, you have eternal life in your body because the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ has bought you with a price, and we know, huh? and we know now we must glorify God in our body, and we know now that we must glorify God in our mind, and we know now that we must glorify God in our spirit because it is of God. Come on. 
For all my spiritual church leaders, I need to I need you to hear this, especially all those who have a problem with us here at the Spiritual Cuts Ministry and the Promise of Our Father podcast. You need to hear this. Let's go to Ephesians chapter four, huh? Ephesians four. Christ ascended in verse eight. Ephesians four eight. Christ ascended on high and led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Let me read that again. Christ ascended on high and led captivity captive and he gave gifts to women. And I want you to know in verse 9, he says, Christ descended into the lower parts of the earth. Verse 10, he says, Christ also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fulfill all things. So he had to go back where he came from in order for everything to be fulfilled. We'll find that out at the end of this presentation, huh? And find out why he had to go back and for all things to be fulfilled. In Ephesians 4.11 is where I'm trying to get to for my spiritual church leaders out there. And Christ himself. Not Jesus, but Christ himself huh? gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. See, Christ gave us some. He gave some to do that, but he gave it to us for a reason. And then Christ explained his purpose for choosing us as spiritual church leaders. In Ephesians 4.12, he said, this is why I chose you. After I, after I ascended above, I, I went to the lower parts of the earth. I have bought you with a price. huh? And now I'm ascending back to the Father to fulfill all things. Hey, huh? He said, before I do that, I'm going to choose you as a spiritual church leader. And whosoever moved church. Huh? At church, canoe, canoe. I don't know what church you attend, but I want you to realize that God is explaining something to us and why he did what he did when he chose us to be leaders. See, I'm not, I'm not concerned with being a pastor or being a teacher or apostle or bishop or all these different titles that they give themselves. I'm more concerned with actually operating from either the spirit of him and the promise of our father and speaking the words of eternal life if, if, if in fact Christ did choose me. Huh? Because, see, people want to have a name and attach their name to what they want to have. See, I don't need a name to attach myself to what I want to have. I want to have what God promised me, and it was a gift. And I'm not going to let no one cheat me out of my reward and let you take my gift because you don't understand what God promised. So with that being said, in Ephesians 4.12, Christ explains why he gave us this position. He says, for the equipping of the saints, uh, the equipping of the Christians, for the equipping of the believers, for the work of the ministry. See, a lot of individuals don't know you're equipped for ministry, but ministry don't begin until you understand what the work is. So, which is to teach on eternal life. Because I followed a pattern of Christ's teaching. 
If we all are taught huh, by God in John 6, 45, and in Matthew 23, 8, it says that we only have one teacher who is Christ. So if Christ is our teacher and we are all taught and learned by God, we have to understand our teaching as spiritual church leaders should come from the ministry of Christ. I remember when I used to teach when I first got into ministry, I wanted to mimic other pastors and other preachers because I thought they was preaching and teaching the words of eternal life. I thought they was teaching me what God was speaking. But when I came into the knowledge of the glory of God, my teaching began to change when I found out huh, that my teacher is not teaching according to the pattern of our teacher who is Christ. And by God who taught Christ to teach, I say, you know something? They just still teaching parables. I taught many parables, and I think I was pretty decent at teaching parables. And I'm not against parables. I'm against you not bringing the parables into the place where it should be at, where the eternal glory abides. He said, if you don't know this parable, huh? He said, you're going to miss all parables that I'm going to demonstrate. So this is the purpose, huh, for the equipping of the saints in Ephesians 4.12, huh, the equipping of the saints and Christians and believers for the work of the ministry, which is to teach on eternal life, because we find out in John 6.27, we should work for the food. If I'm teaching, huh, if he's equipping me to work for the, uh, for the work of the ministry, if he's teaching me for the work of the ministry, I need to find out what the work is, because we find out what the work is. As I taught last week or the last episode in John 6, 27, we should work for the food which does not perish, or we should work for the food which does not cause us to die, but work and labor for the food that endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. This is Jesus replacing our sinful body with his body as the Lamb of God to put us in the right and correct position, huh? Or put us back in right standard with God and Christ. Because Jesus' body bought us, huh? But Christ's body deliver us. Christ's body deliver us from what Jesus bought us from. Take glory, huh? To put us in the right, right, right position and the right or correct position, and back into the right standing with God in Christ, because God put His seal of approval on the body of Jesus as the Son of Man and as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world through Christ's body. See, Jesus' body couldn't do what he did if he didn't have the spirit and the body of Christ. When the body descended upon Jesus in the baptism in a bodily form, it was Christ descending from out of heaven as the bread. When the bread came on the body of the lamb, the lamb had to switch positions with the bread. Jesus had to switch positions with the blood, with the bread. Because the bread of eternal life has taken over the lamb. The lamb that Jesus was named and the lamb that the Holy Spirit was named after the lamb, the Holy Spirit who Jesus was named after, had to go through the process of the cross. 
When you realize Jesus' body huh, was on the cross as the lamb, but the Holy Spirit that was in Jesus had to come from off the cross huh, as the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit abides forever. Huh? Christ abides forever. So he says, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? Christ has left the body and went to prepare the place in the tomb. But Jesus said in the body of the lamb on the cross, he said with his last breath, he said, Father, I commit, huh? I command my spirit back to you. So what was the spirit of Jesus? The spirit of Jesus was the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit went back into the tomb. Huh? With Christ. Because Christ promised him in John 14 that he was going to prepare a place. And where I go, you know. And where I shall be, you should know. So therefore, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says that no one can come to me except through the Father. So Jesus had to go through Christ to get back to the Father. So when they was in the tomb in the preparation, he was telling Jesus, hey, glory, now the Lamb of God. See, it was the blood of the Lamb of God that was shedded at the tomb. Excuse me, was shedded at the foot of the cross, prepared for the tomb. So Christ went and got the blood back. Come on. Because the blood spoke from the cross like the blood of Cain and Abel and the blood of the blood of Jesus, the blood that was the Holy Spirit, the blood that was at the cross cried out. Because Christ promised he would come back and get him, and where I will and where I will be, you shall be also. Now I want you to know that the Son of Man huh, and the Lamb of God who take away the sins of the world through Christ's body is now in a position. This is why it's important to understand and comprehend the purpose of God when he chose or when he chose his son Christ to choose spiritual church leaders to teach on eternal life. All that I just said, in a nutshell, is all part of the process of understanding why you should be teaching eternal life. If you go back to the podcast, I renamed the podcast in the episodes. So the episodes give you the title of what the podcast is going to be on. So go back and check out some of these podcasts, my brothers and sisters. There's a lot of them out there. And God wants you to come into the knowledge of his glory in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 for the equipping of the saints and Christians and believers and for the work of the everlasting life huh? the work of the everlasting life through the teaching of the ministry and these is the most this is the most prolific one of them all which so many spiritual church leaders neglect to avoid huh? teaching on they neglected, perhaps, and per, per adventure, they avoid teaching on this, huh? Huh? They, they avoid teaching on this is because of a lack of knowledge, or they haven't so learned Christ, or they just love teaching parables. You know, I got to admit, I love teaching parables when I didn't understand the words of eternal life. 
So I'm not mad at if that's what you're doing. But we got to get in the place because death is trying to control the things of the earth. But the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And if the spiritual church leaders don't confront death and stop putting death in the place where it shouldn't be. Because if you're saying we all have to die, death is number one. If you're saying tomorrow's not promised, death is number one. But if God is saying the promise that I promise you is eternal life, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 25, and he said, I'm writing this to you that you should not be deceived. Carbound. So the purpose of Christ teaching that is that he don't, he's writing this to you that you won't be deceived. In John 16, verse 1 and 2, he said that uh, I, I got to break this down to you. I want you to be aware of uh, there are going to be spiritual church leaders out there huh, who will kill you, who will take you from out of the synagogue and think they're doing Let me say that again. Who will take you out the house. Uh, let me say that again. Who will take you out the tabernacle. Let me say that again. Because in 2 Corinthians 5, 1 says, if this earthly house is dissolved, if this earthly tent is dissolved, we have another house. We have another tent. We have another tabernacle built by God in the heavens. So he said in John, in John 16, 1 and 2, he says they think they're doing them, that they're doing God a servant when they put you out the house, when they put you out the synagogue. My brothers, this is heavy because we have to understand that they are teaching parables to take you out of the synagogue. But the words of eternal life that Peter said, Father, where are we going to go? You have the words hey, of eternal life. I'm telling you, you got to get this because of a lack of knowledge or they have not to learn Christ or they just love teaching parables. As the scripture says in Mark 4, 13, if you as a spiritual church leader miss this parable, miss this, you will not understand all parables. How then will you understand this message of eternal life if you missed out on this parable? So in Ephesians 4, 12, in the, in the C clause of this verse where I was trying to get to and this is what the purpose of understanding what eternal life is all about. He says, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Come on. When the last time you have been taught on the edifying of the body of Christ, as, as, as important as this scripture is to us, Christians and believers and the saints of God, it is least likely the teaching in the church today. The churches are not teaching on the edification of the body of Christ. Shape. Here at Spiritual Cuts Ministry and the promise of our Father, we will always bring you into a place where the body of God resides. And the body of God, if it's the word of God, the scripture says, and the word of God shall abide forever. But it is the least likely teaching in the churches today. Come on. You got to be kidding me, but it is a true, but it is a true statement. Ask yourself this question. When was the last time you were taught on the edifying of the body of Christ? Edify means to instruct and improve, especially moral and, and in spiritual and in religious knowledge. 
is to instruct, to improve, especially in moral and spiritual and religious knowledge. So you have to get into a place where the edification of Christ's body has to become your body because the moral body is changed through immortality, through the spirit of God that's in Christ. We'll find that out in Romans chapter 8 here in a minute. So now we have to realize that Christ is teaching us the instructions. So if the knowledge of the body of Christ is not being edified, or the instructions on Christ's body is not being taught to you as a Christian or believer or a saint of God, you are only being taught in parables. And I say this to your shame. Ephesians 4.13 tells us the full purpose of the edification of the body. Until we come into, huh? Look what it says. Until we coming to the unity of faith. Now, this is tough for me. This is tough for me. The unity of faith is a body. Come on. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. When I was researching the scriptures, it says that if you search the scriptures, you may think you have eternal life in John 5.39. John 5, Watch what it says in Colossians 2.16 verses Hebrews 11.1. 1. So let no one judge you in food or drink or in huh, uh, uh, regarding a festival, a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Verse 17 in Colossians 2 says, which are a shadow of things to come. But the substance is of Christ. In Hebrews 11, 1 says, now faith is the substance. So if now faith is the substance and the substance is Christ, the substance has to be Christ that we never seen. Huh? So the substance is of faith is the body of Christ. Huh? Then scripture teaches us about this substance or the body of Christ. And then it says, let no one, in verse 18, see, the scriptures teaches us what we need to do. Man, you would be amazed if you study to show yourself approval unto God and not approval unto your spiritual church leader or whatever group you might be in, wherever church you attend. Let me tell you something. You would, you would, you would grow tremendously. In verse Colossians 2.18 says, and let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in flesh and false humility, teaching parables, worshiping of angels, intruding into the things which are he or she has not seen. So how could you tell me, Ida, tomorrow is not promised when you don't even know that God promised us eternal life? Huh? You're intruding into something you have not seen. When you say we all have to die, you're taking away the promises of God. Not me, because I ain't going to let you cheat me out of my reward. And I don't care who you are. But the fact of the matter in this teaching, you have to realize the scriptures given us intruding into, the, into those things which he or she has not seen. Uh-oh. Isn't this what, what, what Hebrew is saying? About the substance, the substance, which is the body of Christ, which should, we should be edifying every day, giving instructions, 
Instead, Christians and believers are listening to spiritual church leaders who vainly puffed up by his or her fleshly mind. You know, it took me years to realize I was teaching from out of the flesh. In Romans chapter 8, it says that, in Romans 8, 8, it says that, huh? Look what it says. It says you cannot please God in the flesh. If you are pleasing God and thinking and, and you are in the flesh, you are being deceived. Because you cannot please God in the flesh. But Romans 8, 9 says that, but you are not in the flesh, but the spirit of him, the spirit of Christ. If the spirit of Christ is not in you, the scripture says you are none of his. So if you've been teaching from out of ooh, glory, the flesh, you are none of here. You have not so learned Christ. Now, you might be a part of the Lord Jesus. You got to check that out for episode out too. That episode is the Lord, the Lord God, and the Lord Jesus. Three different positions in God. If you're just in one position in the Lord Jesus, you have not so learned Christ, and you are none of his. That's what Romans 8 and 9 says. So go back and read it so you won't say, this guy just been saying all this stuff. I'm teaching today, so you better get with me. So I want you to know, huh, believers and Christians and believers are listening to spiritual church leaders who are vainly puffed up by his own or her own fleshly mind. I was one of those individuals who was in my fleshly mind, just puffed up in all this teaching. So without, with that being said, don't let no one cheat you yeah. from out of your reward. Your reward is faith. Your reward is the substance. The substance of faith is the reward, is the body of Christ that we edify and that we have not seen. Ephesians 4.13 says, till we come into the body of Christ and the knowledge of the Son of God, who is Christ, to be a perfect man, to be a perfect woman, to the measure of the stature huh, of the fullness of Christ. Now, this stature of Christ is not the same stature that you are pretending to think of. When I was watching a little game the other day, I saw the stature of, I was watching Alabama, and I saw the stature of, uh, of, 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 of Mr. Bear Bryant, of Coach Bear Bryant. And on the other side of Coach Bear Bryant, they had a statue of Coach Nick Saban. That's a statue that is dead, that is an image of somebody who's not here and one of them is at the time, Nick Saban. But the statue that he's talking about is not the same statue. One is dead and one is alive. But the statue, you, because the body is dead. You're in the statue of a dead body of Jesus because Jesus' body had to die for us to have a statue. But the body of Christ is a picture of Nick Saban being the body alive as a statue. So I want you to realize, huh, we are taught parables and not edifying the body of Christ. Huh? Because we don't realize the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ is a body that's alive and kicking. Let's go to Ephesians 14. My God. Ephesians 4, 14. That we should no longer be children of God. That we should no longer be Christians and believers. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men, teaching parable, huh? And teaching on 
things that that the spiritual church leaders have puffed up in their own mind. Hmm. And the cunning and in the craftiness and the deceitful plotting, only teaching you parables. In the cunning craftiness of deceitfulness plotting that they're teaching on, is only teaching you parables. Ephesians four twenty, I dropped down a little bit, because the majority of spiritual church leaders has not so learned Christ, the edification of the body of Christ. They have not so learned the edification of the body of Christ. If indeed they have learned and heard and have taught, have been taught by Christ, as the truth is in Jesus. See, even Jesus had to be taught by Christ because God had to teach Christ what to teach Jesus. So when he was teaching Jesus, it was a picture of Christ teaching us from God because we all are taught by God through the teaching of Christ. So even Jesus, the 40 days in the wilderness, in, 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 in Luke chapter 4, when, when he got baptized, in Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and 22, in Luke chapter 4, when he got baptized, huh? the scripture says, and he went into the fullness of the power of God, and the Holy Spirit come upon him, and he fasted for 40 days. See, you thought the 40 days was for Christ. The fasting for 40 days was for Jesus. Jesus had to learn how to operate in the new body that Christ presented him with. So the enemy come for Jesus because he wanted to kill Jesus, not Christ, because Christ abides forever. Jesus was already huh, a sacrificial offering, an atonement for our souls. So he wanted the soul that was in Christ, who was Jesus, the body of Jesus. But Christ had to teach Jesus through the teaching of God how to operate against death. So my brothers and sisters, we got to understand this stuff is powerful and heavy to me because we need to realize that God is teaching us something that others don't even mention to God, mention in the ministry. You can't teach you this from out of a parable. This has to be revealed because the secret thing in Deuteronomy 29, 29 says that belongs to God, but the Things that are revealed belongs to you and belongs to our children for how long? Forever. This stuff is being revealed to us through the teaching of Christ. Because the majority of spiritual church leaders has not so learned the edification of the body of Christ. If indeed they have learned and heard and have been taught by Christ as the truth is in Jesus. Now let's go to 1 Kings. 17, 9 through 12. I told you I was going to show you why the young boy died. So let's go. God told Elijah to go to the Zarephath where there was a widow woman. Why? Because God knew that she had on her mind pertaining to things, but had on her mind the killing of her son. So in verse 10 it says, So when Elijah got there, he called the widow woman and told her to bring him a little water and a morsel of bread. Because you got to listen to this. This is powerful. And the next verse is so heavy. So she said to Elijah, As, you, as the Lord your God 
live. Not, not their God, but as the Lord your God. Not her God, but as the Lord your God lives. Hmm? I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And she, and see, excuse me, and see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and for my son that we may eat and that we may die. Look what she is telling the man of God. When I hear people say, we all have to die and tomorrow's not promised, huh? and we all is not going to be here forever, that shocks me when they are spiritual leaders and when they are church goers and read the scriptures for themselves. Just in John chapter 6, huh? 48, he says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the living bread that came down, not like that bread your father's name, not like that manna your father's name, not like that what is it bread you ate in the wilderness who are dead, your father's name, my mama name, my daddy name, huh? They, most people are dead because they've been eating on manna. What is it? This message might have you saying, what is it? But he says, not like your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. Look what he's compared death to. He said, but if you eat of this bread, you shall live forever. Go and not die. Come on. That's not making up scriptures. These are scriptures. And the woman said, so that we may eat and die. Now, she could have kept the dying part for herself and eaten it, but when she spoke eating and dying over children, see, we've been taught these things. Let me finish reading because I got to tell you this here. I got to be real with you on this one. This is powerful because the word of God is true to the point. Proverbs 18 says, death and life. Let me say that again. Proverbs 18 says, death and eternal life is in the power of the tongue. Hmm? But she didn't just speak death on her own life. She also spoke death into her only son life. Come on. You know, as, a, as horrible as this may sound, but I have to say this. My mother, Mary Dale Washington, as much as I know, she loved me. And, they, and my other siblings or my other brothers and sisters, she spoke death over our life. Huh? Now, I know she didn't mean it because she had not so learned Christ. But I can recall many of the times I heard my mother say the things she was taught from her parents and spiritual church leaders that, you know, you know, son, tomorrow is not promised to none of us. And we all have to die someday. Now, I know I'm not the only one huh, who heard this from my mother and loved ones and spiritual church leaders. My mother was only teaching me from what she was taught. We all have to face that excruciating or intensively, huh, intensely painful and agonizing, embarrassing truth. 
And what's worse off than that? God saw our parents' ignorance in those days, and he overlooked them and winked. In Acts 17, 30, but now he commanded all men and all women everywhere to repent. Maybe Israel have to repent. Maybe the United States have to repent. Maybe Russia have to repent. Maybe North Korea have to repent. Maybe Puerto Rico have to repent. Maybe Ukraine have to repent. Maybe Gaza have to repent. Maybe the Palestinians have to repent. Huh? Maybe so many of us have to repent. Hmm? Because we are teaching. We all have to die, and tomorrow's not promised. Maybe the scripture church leaders, come on, have to repent. And my brother, I want you to realize there's nothing wrong with repenting when you are sincere in the repenting. And you go to repent me, don't go back to it. Don't repeat back what you've been repent from. Huh? That's my definition for the day anyway. But don't go back. In Acts 17, 30 says, but now he commanded all men and women everywhere to repent because he will judge the world and has appointed a day huh, that he would judge the world in eternal life and in righteousness. Look what the scripture says in, in, in Acts 17, 30. God is judging the world in eternal life and in right. Go back and read it from out of Acts 17. In the way of righteousness is, is eternal life. And there is no death in this path. God is not judging the world for death. He's judging the world because of eternal life. If you're speaking the words of death, he's judging you. But if you are in the place of eternal life, you're walking in the righteousness of the glory of God. Because in the way, Proverbs 12, 12, 28, in the way of eternal life, in the way of righteousness is eternal life, and there's no death in this path. But look how powerful Acts 17, 30 says, repent, because God is going to judge the world. Dude, I'm not surprised at all this that is taking place. I am in a place where I have to protect what God promised, because I'm not going to let no one Cheat me out of my reward. And I ask that you do the same for your children's children. Huh? So God says repent because he would judge the world and he has appointed a day to judge the world in eternal life and in righteousness. Because in the way of righteousness is eternal life and there's no path, there's no death in the pathway. So my mother repent. And God overlooked her ignorance just as he did with the widow woman who pronounced death on her son. Let's revisit 1 Kings 17, 12. Now she spoke death over her life and over her son's life. A few months passed by and then all of a sudden her son died and had no breath left in him. Like I said earlier, the boy was dead. The widow woman spoke for these, huh? The widow woman spoke for these, for these, let me say this again. The widow woman spoke for things she asked for, but she couldn't receive them when they were given. I got to say that again. 
The widow woman spoke for things she asked for, but she couldn't receive them when things were given. See, when you go around and say out of your mouth, tomorrow's not promised, and we all have to die, you're asking for something that will be given. But I advise you, don't be like the widow woman who got what she asked for and then couldn't receive it when it was given. Come on. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. The scriptures verify that to be true through the widow woman testimony in 1 Kings 17, 17. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned a house becomes sick and his sickness was so serious there was no breath left in him. As I said earlier, the young boy was dead because of his mama spoke into his life. The mother of the, the widow mother got what she spoke to, to the man of God when, the, when he first came to her. The problem, the, the problem she had was not with the man of God. The problem she had was with God. Why? Because she didn't repent of her sin. She spoke over her son life. Since she declared it in the presence of the man of God, God had to honor her wishes since she never repent to God. God took her son life. But he gave, but God gave her, her son back to her in another body. Okay. Come on. Now we finna get down with it. Oh, brother, let's get, let's look at the scriptures in 1 Corinthians, 1 Kings, excuse me. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 18. The widow woman said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, old man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and kill my son? Uh-oh. See, although she's trying to blame the prophet Elijah for her own ignorance and stupidness, yet in all, she remembered her sin. She realized what she said over her son's life pertaining to him dying was her own fault. Because if it wasn't, she wouldn't have, have ever said, you come here, Elijah, to bring my sin to remembrance. She wouldn't have never said anything pertaining to that. First Kings 17, 19 says, so the man of God or Elijah took the dead body from the widow mother. He took the dead body from out of her hands. You remember she had a, had a child in her arms. And he took the body from out of her arms. So God let her child die in her arms because that's what she asked for to be put in her arms. She asked for death. So she got what she received. But when she received what she got, she didn't want to have it. Hmm? So sometimes we ask for things from God. And we speak things in God's hearing. And when God give it to us, we can't handle it, the truth. We can't handle what we ask for. So if you're going around saying tomorrow is not promised and we all have to die and we all ain't going to be here forever, you are asking for tomorrow to be your day. Don't let no one cheat you out of your day because God is going to judge you every day. Huh? Judge, God is going to judge the world in an appointed day. So don't let your appointed date be tomorrow. 
because you are speaking what they're saying and not speaking what you should be hearing. You're hearing the words of eternal life. And now you need to start speaking what you're hearing and not speak what they are saying. If they are saying it, let them say it by themselves, but in your mind, heart, and soul where the glory of God resides in the 19 inches, the, excuse me, the 18 inches. You got to speak the words of eternal life. In 1 Kings 17, 19, so the man of God, or Elijah, took the dead body from the widowed mother. This young man's dead body is, a, is in the position where God can show his glory and the power of his resurrection. Huh? 1 Kings 17, 20 says, Elijah carried, he cried out to God with a loud voice. And then he stretched himself out on the dead child body three times. This is heavy. Let me give you some scriptures to give you a picture of a child dead body. Hmm? 2 Corinthians 4.10 says, we are also carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Remember I said that earlier, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. So the dead body that is of sin, huh, when Christ is in you, is Jesus. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. Not Christ's sake, but for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal body. So the body that died as a lamb has to be manifested in our mortal bodies in order for sin to be present in the body that has no sin. Because the body of Jesus took away the sting and the sins of the world as the lamb. The Lamb of God was never Jesus. Jesus was named after the Lamb. The Lamb always was God. When Abraham in Genesis chapter 14, huh, in Genesis, when Abraham told his son in Genesis 22, he told his son Isaac. And he said, and God shall provide a lamb for himself when he went to sacrifice the body. So the God, the Holy Spirit body always was the Lamb of God. It was just named Jesus. So we are actually operating from out of the body that is sin because of Jesus. But the Lamb took away the sins of the world. Huh? So now, for we who are live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal body. Therefore, in Genesis 2 Corinthians 4, 16, it says, Therefore, we do not lose hope, even though our outward man. Therefore, we do not lose hope, even though our outward woman is perishing, yet the inward man and the inward woman is being renewed day by day. If you're speaking the words we all have to die and tomorrow's not promised, it's not the renewed words of the day by day. Huh? That's the law. And the law has been fulfilled under the promise. That's why we need to renew the spirit of our minds that is created after God in true holiness and created after God in true eternal life. Hmm? Romans 8.10. 
and 11. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit of God is eternal life because of righteousness. In Proverbs 12, 28, there's just a rehash. He says that in the way of righteousness is eternal life. And there is no death in its path. But Romans 8, 11 says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So now the spirit of Jesus, the body of Jesus being raised, but the body of the lamb sustained in the sin. So if the spirit, look what he said, and the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So now the spirit of him that raised Jesus, you got to get this. And he who raised Christ, huh? And he who raised Christ from the dead, we also give eternal life to your mortal bodies through his eternal spirit who dwells in you. So you have to have the body of the Holy Spirit, the body of Christ, and the body of God who Christ, who God raised from the dead. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in your mortal body, he gives you the eternal glory of his body, huh? If his body does, in fact, dwells in you. Now back to 1 Kings 17, 20. Elijah in 2, I'm going to give you a picture of Elijah. Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11, was taken up in the whirlwind and never tasted death. In Luke 9, 30, he appeared in glory. So Elijah's body that he stretched out on this young man who had a dead body, was in glory. Come on. First Kings 17, 21. It says, and Elijah stretched himself out on the body that is dead because of sin three times. God. I'm almost going to the close, brothers. I want you to realize Elijah stretched himself out on the body that is dead because of sin three times. See, his mama said, you're going to remember, you come to remind me of my sin. So the boy mama put him in, the boy mama put him in sin and his body came into sin because of his mother. His mother spoke sin into his life and she got what she received and she couldn't handle it when it came. So now Elijah is in the position walking in glory. Hey, huh? Walking in glory. And he stretched his hand out three times over this dead body. And the child's soul came back to him. Come on. Now in Matthews 28, 19, you have to be baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. And the soul of you will come back through God's eternal glory. Come on. Huh? Now Christ stretched himself out on us three times. First, we was dealing with Elijah. That was in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, Christ had to do what Elijah did because Elijah was just a picture and a shadow. 
and symbolic of what things to come. So Christ had to stretch himself out. Damn. You hear me? So Christ had to stretch himself out three times. Yeah, glory. Because Elijah was only a shadow of things to come. In John 16, verse 7, Christ said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the promise of our Father, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Uh-oh. Christ stretched himself out on us three times. Come on. Now let me explain how through, let me explain that through scriptures. In John 20, verse 19, it says, On the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, scriptures teaches us, Christ came through the doors that were shut, because for the fear of the Jew. But when you unravel what that means, it means that Christ came through the shut doors because the disciple was fear of death. Hey. Then Christ showed them his hands, huh? And Christ showed them his side because he was illustrating to them that he has power over death. The grave and Hades and anything that is dead in the front of him. Even the door, the six-inch door, he walked through it. Come on. So if Christ can get through a door that is six inches, you, he definitely can get through a body that is dead because of sin. Come on. That is power that he had over death. He showed his power that he had over the grave. He illustrated his power that he had over Hades and hell. Now he says, let me teach you something. And you don't have to be afraid of death. Christ said to them, immortality be to you. In verse 21 in John, John 20, 21, immortality be to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. This is heavy because the body of Christ is in another form. You remember when, 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 when Elijah presented the boy body and he stretched his arms out across him three times, that child body was in another form. Hey. Come on. This is heavy because the body of Christ is in another form. When he finished telling him then, John 20, verse 22, as the Father has sent me, I send you. When he finished speaking that, look what he did. He breathed on them and said to them, receive Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, my God. When Christ breathed on his disciples, this was a picture of him stretching himself out on them two times. Why two times? Because Christ was in the body of Jesus, who God, who God gave the name huh, from the Holy Spirit. And now when he breathed on them, it was only two times. 
because it was his, it was him as Christ and Jesus as the Holy Spirit. So that's only two times. But Elijah stretched himself out. Glory. Three times. Now you have to remember in John 16, 7, he is where he said it is to your advantage that he go back to the Father because if he don't come, if he don't go back to the Father, you will not receive the promise of our Father. Christ stretched himself out on us three times. Let me say that again. Christ breathed himself on us three times. Come on. In Luke 24, 48. He says, I will send the promise of my father upon you so that you can endow, you can be endowed with power from on high. Christ stretched himself out on us three times. Christ breathed himself on us three times. When he sent the promise of our father, it was the completion of himself breathing on us. Let me say that again. When he sent the promise of our father, huh? it was the completion of him stretching himself out on us. As he said to his disciples, he said, saying, as the father has sent me, I also send you. So now we're in another form, in another body, because the Father stretched his hands out on us three times in the baptism in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. And the child got up and his soul was revived back into him. Huh? What will you give in exchange of your soul? Come on. That's why Adam lost what he lost. Step from out of step from out of eternity into time. But Christ says, I stretch my hands out upon you so that you can go back from time back into eternity. Huh? The name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Christ stretched his hand out upon us. Christ breathed. The Holy Spirit received ye. The promise of our Father upon you. And you shall be endowed with power from this day forward. You shall walk in the authority and the power of the Spirit of Him and the promise of our Father like never before because God I, has stretched and breathed upon us three times. This is Pastor D. Washington coming to you live from out of Atlanta, Georgia. May God continue to bless you and your family forever. Amen. <laughs>